I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Treehouse, episode 58. All of a heap with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Yes, it is. And by the skin of our teeth, I, I, I suggest, I suggest perhaps people may roll their eyes a lot at these beginnings. But uh, uh, I'm going to just let a little daylight in upon magic. I'm going to just take the audience by the shoulder and walk them round backstage. I'll be Artie and you be Larry Sanders. Uh, uh, because of reasons that are too tedious to go into, but it's never stopped me before. Uh, the, the show, we record the shows at midday now. Uh, to accommodate uh, Pep's schedule. And, uh, well, we did one at midday, so I thought they're all at midday. So there I was, uh, literally flicking playing cards into a top hat when through came the thing, we're all waiting for you. And there are... A little startled face. A few uh, uh, sentences in life that that have more power in them to jolt than we're all waiting for you. In fact, uh, fact, it's only happened to me once, Peps. Uh, (laughs) I uh, was sitting in here and Darius Rucker, the lead singer of formerly... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...the Blowfish and now, of course, a huge country star in his own right. Uh, He could only do an interview with the uh, Five Live show on Thursday. And she said, is that that all right, 11 o'clock? I said, yeah, yep, absolutely. Pleasure to come into the BBC on my, you know, on a day off and talk to Darius. And there I was uh, thinking about, you know, having a shower and all of that. And sooner or later going over to the station when the phone rang here. <laughs> and it was clearly the old producer who said, where are you? And no phone call should ever start like that. Never. Where are you? And I said, well, obviously I've answered the phone in my own house. When <laughs> I was going to say. She said, we're all waiting. I said, who's with Darius Rucker's band? We're, we're all here at the BB. I said, no, one o'clock. She said, 11 o'clock. Oh. I said, one oh, o'clock, wasn't it? Matt. No, and well, I said, she said, I said, well, right, wait there. Now, where I live, it's, it's all right. It's, it's, it's about it's 17 minutes on the tube once you get to Northbridge. Mm. And, and then and then to the BBC, it was about another 20, about 15 minutes on foot. I did it in about 30-odd minutes, which wasn't bad. And because I know him from way back, I virtually introduced Hoochie and the Blowfish via the old talk show to Britain. He was so accommodating, and the band had been oh. for everybody and just... Feeling... Oh, the sweat. But that's... but just... Oh, that's making me sweat. Well, anyone out there who has a similar uh, uh, either where are you or we're all waiting call for them, we would love to hear from you. But here's the thing I'm going to put peps... Normally, yeah, I'm bringing us towels of the roller skate. Uh, and uh, uh, the only thing I've got this morning, the only thing I've got this morning is Marie Osmond, Right, Marie Osmond's birthday. The only mm. thing we know about Marie Osmond, Peps, she's not called Marie Osmond. No. You know what her name is? Olive. 
Her name oh. is Olive. Old Owo herself. <laughs> she, she's Owo. She's Olive, Olive Osmond. Now, if that doesn't sound like someone your mum used to live two doors down from, I don't know what. Oh, oh, it's raining. Take your sheets in. Um, so I threw it over at Peps. I said, Peps, give me a break. Tell me something that I would perhaps would come up with were I not having my legs spinning like a cartoon character. Uh, so what, what, what can you tell us, Peps? Well, firstly, on the 11th of August, which is as we are recording this, in 1897, mm -hmm. Enid Blyton was born. Oh! Which seems mad, 1897. Mm. And the only two things I thought you might possibly not know about Enid Blyton mm -hmm. is that she loved to play tennis naked. No! That is sensation <laughs> upon sensation! No, there's no need for that. Her love of tennis included playing naked. Well, there's no need for that. I mean, and certainly not as, as an as a, uh, author of Noddy. There's no need for the kids don't need to know that. They don't need to think about that. Uh, the most trouble I've ever got into on the radio. Hang on, let me get out the very long list. Of those. Gonna, hang on. <laughs> let me go through volume 91. Uh, but the most uh, was when I just said there's no need for nudists. I don't get it. I Honestly. <laughs> And five lives phones, we just went mad for days. I said, I don't, I do not know. Uh, you're not close at the night, you put some trousers on. That's That was my, you know, remains, I'm afraid, my take. And now did you see? Like, did you see the photos in the week of the chap in the German park yes, chasing the boar? With a uh, with a box on its foot. I mean, there's no need for any of that. I mean, honestly, there's no need for any of that. And if you do it, don't, don't tell anyone about it, uh, except the well, police car when it rolls up. She played her naked tennis at her own house, which she invited her readers to name in her magazine, if you please. Mm. Would they call it new and balls, please? Green Hedges. Uh, you got every opportunity to name hedges. Enid Blyton's house Green Hedges. And she chose that one, did she? Yeah, maybe that's she, what she went with. Maybe like a five-life competition. been knocked down no? since. Like a five-life competition, they only got three entries. You know, maybe that was it. <laughs> And the other two were, you know, knowing Housey her Mac love house of, face. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and knowing her love of, uh, you know, the tennis, new balls, please, or like the carry-on film, Sandy Balls Close. <laughs> that was the name of the, the nudist colony run by Peter Butterworth in Carry On Camping. Pound <laughs> per person. I know. I know. Look I at don't think I've ever tried that. Sophisticated, killing oh. it. A sandy balls close. And uh, now my well, other fact for you, mm -hmm. um, which we may need the the, the spooky ooky music for, Phil. Oh, we're gonna need that a couple of times this morning. We've got a few of those, Phil. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is August the twelfth, as as it is, uh, the podcast comes out, mm -hmm. eighteen fifty three. One of the biggest maritime mysteries, beside Marie Celeste, the ship of gold, Madagascar, Hold left it Melbourne. Hold it there, sorry. Just say Ship of Gold Madagascar again. And when she does that, Phil, put in the old fog horn. That'll give it something. Ready? Okay. Go. The Ship of Gold Madagascar. <laughs> left Melbourne for London on this day in 1853 with 150 passengers a crew, three tons of gold, and was never seen again. No, I'd know about this. There's three tons exactly. of gold floating around out there. Apparently. So it, it sailed over to Melbourne for the big gold rush. Mm -hmm. When they got there, 14 members of crew went, yeah, I'm up for that, and refused to come back to Britain. So he was a bit understaffed. And when they left, it says, in the hold, the Madagascar carried a box of specie, 
which I think is coins, eight boxes of silver, nine boxes of sovereigns, which is 60,000 gold coins, 86 boxes of gold dust and nuggets weighing nearly three tons, a cargo of flour, rice, wool, and timber. And it was never to be seen again. Well, I think the flour, rice, wool, and timber might have been. Well, they uh... said one of the theories that the wool combusted and set fire to it. A freak wave, or more, most plausibly, pirates. Yeah, maybe, maybe, or maybe like one of my favourite lines from the old Goon Show. Sunday, one morning, they said, "Have you seen the captain and the and the, and the second captain?" No. Uh, I saw them at five o'clock. Do you think the gold's safe? Oh, it's perfectly safe, wherever they and their rowing boat are. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly well, what happened. To, mm-hmm. to tie this all back into one of our earlier shows, in 1997, an Australian researcher discovered artefacts on the remote atoll of Anua Nuaro in oh. French Polynesia oh, that they believe may have come largest. from we, the Madagascar. If you've not heard the other 61 shows, you may not get the reference there, but this show comes from the Micronesia Islands, a different one every week. So already we need uh, people who have had that kind of phone call or reminder, uh, where are you? You're supposed to be here, call. And also oh. things that started very late, because we're late starting because of my own tardiness, but uh, 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 not, not necessarily rock bands, because there's too many of those. I saw the Beach mm. Boys come on an hour and a half late once. But uh, anything that started very, very late, would love to hear from you. What are we doing this morning, Peps? Number one, pets stealing or hiding stuff. Mm. Number two, mad things in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Number three, nicknames you're stuck with. Number four, ever set a trap for someone. And number five, dares involving celebrities. Dares involving celebrities. Have any of you got of those? Have any of you got of the must be in 300 or more subjects since we started this uh, extravaganza? They're always open. And of course, you can always uh, get the tone of the show and make up your own. Now, because we're flipping everything on its head because of the shock I had. The funny thing, well, I'll tell you this in a minute. But no, the funny thing is, because I'm keeping the diary for the first time in my life, uh, the entries are not brief. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and I remember sailing past 30,000 words only started about three weeks ago. It's all part of the upcoming Patreon deal where we're trying to give you bang for your buck. But just yesterday, I was writing about anxiety dreams. And, oh, yes, uh, of course. Because I, uh, uh, well, I won't hold the show up because the show's got to start. We know that. It's all about getting the show started. But I was writing it and I said I'd never got anxiety. Well, I, I have them occasionally. I'm in a studio. There are no CDs in the box. Oh, uh, uh, mine is reading a news bulletin and there's no news. Wow, that, I get that what one. What a quite blessed a lot. relief that would be. The nation would throw its hats in the air. Uh, but uh, I, and I'm there, and everything's all over the place, and people through the glass are taking no notice. I'm trying to say go to the news or Ooh. something. They won't do it. Then strangers just keep walking in and having conversations. I'm trying to say we're on the air. Uh, and so there it is. The worst I ever had, we're going to start the show in Stanta, I promise you. I've mentioned it before when I used to do mm. the six o'clock show live every Friday at six o'clock. I dreamt I'm on the top of a double-decker bus. I look out the window into the window of a radial rental store or DER or Granada. Uh, and all the television sets have got the opening titles of the six o'clock show starting on it. I jump up from my seat thinking, oh, oh, I forgot. And there's too many people on the bus. I can't get down the mm. stairs. Now it's going faster in the other direction. Uh, and Paul McCartney giving me the sitar to tell me to play in his band. That's another one. But I wrote in the thing, I'm not an anxious person. I don't worry. I am not nervous. No. What is there to be anxious about? Well, this so morning, different. this morning, I, uh, perhaps, perhaps I have prescience. Perhaps I can tell the future. And that's another subject for the show. Uh, 
Do you think you can tell the future? Have you ever foretold the future? This is from Graham. Uh, and this is uh, Animals Who Stole Things. This is absolutely beautiful. My Bonnie, I love this story. Many years ago, our son Nick, then aged about eight, came down to breakfast one morning and complained he had been woken in the night by noises from under his bed. We didn't pay much attention to his story, but when he came down the next day and said, it happened again, there's noises under my bed, I had to appease him. I agreed to investigate. After pulling out boxes of toys, books, old socks, and the usual detritus lurking beneath a small boy's bed, I found our daughter Georgina's hamster called Spartacus hiding out. Spartacus. Spartacus had clearly escaped from his cage in Georgina's room and gone for a wander. Nick's room was obviously more to his liking, and he had constructed a little nest of torn tissues under the bed, within which he had stored all the treasures accumulated on his nocturnal wanderings, an iced gem, a piece of banana skin, a sweet wrapper, and best and most incredibly, a plastic sword and shield from one of Nick's skeleton warrior's action figures. Sadly, there were no other rodents present to claim that they too were Spartacus, and he was swiftly recaptured and returned to his stage of cage, all thoughts of armed rebellion cruelly crushed. That's from our friend Graham. Isn't that lovely? And I've got to say, the thought of the little little ice gem. Imagine when he found that. What a treasure. I know, but I'll have that later on. Can I just say, Georgina didn't notice her hamster was missing for two days is the other (laughs) subtext to this. There is that. Uh, But uh, that's a beautiful story. He took a little shield, and they're not going to get me without a fight. Come and get me, copper. Beautiful story of an animal collecting things. What you got there, Peps? This is from Jerry. This is asking a stupid question. A few years ago, my friend was getting married and had duly arranged a stag weekend in Edinburgh with a day of Highland Games planned on the Saturday. After a very heavy night's drinking on the Friday, we set off on the journey to partake in cabre-tossing, tyre-flipping, tug-of-war and other events in an inevitably muddy field with the added ignominy of being in fancy dress. The theme was superheroes and everyone represented all 14 of us adopting a character and I was pleased to secure the rights to the caped crusade of Batman. When we got to the Highland Games Centre, we were taken off and given an overview and briefing and usual health and safety. And to anyone looking on, it may have appeared rather odd that all the saviours of the world were given safety advice on how to throw a felled tree. <laughs> but the last thing to ta- before taking to the Field of Dreams was to sign a disclaimer. I was handed the sheet of paper and in a me- moment of weakness or frivolity, of course, I signed my name as Batman. <laughs> I passed it along and sure enough, Superman, Spider-Man, Captain America, etc., etc., followed suit. And once it had done the rounds, we handed it back and he and the official went to move the room only to pull up upon reading the list. Cue the stupidest question. Okay, who wrote Batman? He asked. <laughs> Looking around the room, blind to me, sat at the front, dressed as Batman. Um, that was me, I said sheepishly. Very funny, he said. You'll have to sign your real names and handed me another sheet. Uh-oh, I can see what's coming. <laughs> what would you do, I ask you, after being told off for writing Batman and asked to provide my real name? So, of course, there went Bruce Wayne. <laughs> As we handed along the sheet, Clark Kent, Peter Parker, etc. <laughs> followed suit. This time, we either didn't get the joke or tried to ignore our childishness. Wow. Now, of course, that makes me think there must be someone called Bruce Wayne out there. You know, of course. It, it, we've done this many times, but it, it's, it's always open. If, if something in pop culture makes your name a real 
tiresome joke for everybody else. You know, I mean, if you, if you are called Peter Parker, everyone will think they're the very first person to say, oh, but if, if that's your name, please, always let us know about that. Perhaps what was this thing I saw you I put on Twitter about uh, window swap? If I wasn't... Oh, it's lovely. It's it? people, it, it came up, it, no, it came up during um, lockdown, I think, and people set a camera up on their window looking mm. out. I think they're pre-recorded in little excerpts. And you can just click on one, and you're looking at it out of a window in Austria at a mountain. And it says click to click another. And I watched for quite rather too long some chickens in someone's backyard in Hawaii oh. just pecking around, and then oh. a cat in Russia just looking out the window. Well, and I, I like, it's I very mind, charming. I, I don't mind a webcam. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't mind. Like, there's one in Times Square, aren't there? And there's another. Oh one. yes. Uh, uh, Robbie's uh, Marina down in Isla Mirada, where we've been many, many times. I'll sit there and sigh, particularly in the, uh, oh. the current days, and I'll just look there. And Wendell will come in and say, "Oh, you look like you got the. Um, you're looking at Robbie's Marina." Yeah, I am. <laughs> Uh, so I don't mind. I'll check that. It's a window swap thing. What What would one see if uh, one put uh, in your front room window? What would they see, Peps? Really boring domestic a house that looks identical to ours. Is it? Oh, so just a street opposite. Yeah. Well, it really is. A, a house. Literally, they all are identical. Our houses. It's very, very Victorian dull semis. Inevitably, I've done that phoning before. What can you see out your window? And of course, the, uh, the ones I like are the ones that are rather mundane. So again, if you want to get in touch with us with little photographs, we do have a, uh, not a, what's it, not a web page, what's it called? Uh, Instagram. We do have the Instagram. Yes, the Treehouse Pod. And our email is thetreehousepod at gmail.com. It is. Oh, in the Treehouse. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. See, I, oh, man. I'm all, I'm all of a heap and you're making the mistakes. This is I'm about... This is things in the middle of nowhere. This is from our, our friend David. Living as I do out in the rural northeast of Scotland, a lot of things here are pretty much in the middle of nowhere by default. But with a few little gems tucked away for the discerning visitor, my favourite is perhaps the Abbott FV433 self-propelled gun, which sits next to the roadside on a country road near Aboyne. My favourite, uh, my son's favourite, is the giant teapot lid outside the village of Old Deer, which is named after the Deer Abbey and not the inhabitants. Now, now when, I've got to tell you, your son's got the right thing here, David. I don't want to chastise you halfway through your email. Uh, but yeah, OK, FV433 self-propelled gun. I see Pep's trying to keep her eyes open as I said that. But then you say, my son's favourite is the giant teapot lid outside of Old Deer. Just the lid? <laughs> I know. But Pep, you've got, you've got uh, an hour to spend in that part of the country. Are you going to go and see some old Gatling gun or the giant teapot lid? Teapot because, lid. Because Sitting about, on top of it for a photo, of course. He, he says it's about nine feet across and it looks a bit like a monstrous La Crusade casserole lid, perhaps owned by a wicked witch on the hunt for Hansel and Gretel. There's no reason for it to be there and I've never found out why or where it's come from this seems a bit incurious of you my friend <laughs> the first thing that I've done is saunter into the whatever they've got you know the slaughtered lamb put my elbow on the bar my foot on the rail and said the teapot lid what's that all about that's the first thing you'd say I'm moving up to Aberdeenshire he says there's also a bit of film history uh, not far from where I live in the shape of a red phone box it was used in the film Local Hero yes it's that one it's just outside the coastal village of Penan, and there's a plaque outside the Penan Inn opposite, making you aware of what it is. So the actual one from the film Local Hero uh, is across the road. Uh, something quick, Peps, peps, and then we'll take a break and I'll draw breath. Well, this is beautiful going into an ad break. So this is from Jane Wallace. Uh, and we'll probably need the twinkly, twinkly, lovely music in a moment. 
When you talked about Pepsodent a couple of weeks ago, it reminded me of finding an old junior school notebook of mine from 1966. And in the back, my late mum had written several attempts at an advertising ditty for Pepsodent. She often entered competitions, and I assume this is what this was for. I don't remember winning everything, uh, winning anything. We never used Pepsodent. But I've looked at the book again for you, and for the record, her final effort went, to keep a lovely, healthy smile, you must give Pepsodent a trial. One brushing's all that you will need, and who knows where that smile will lead. It certainly isn't made it, me... Isn't it beautiful? I actually thought that, that they, they, there's fellas over in, you know, uh, uh, St Anne's Court in London earning 100,000 a year. Uh, in those days for that. It's beautiful. It's, uh, Jane says, it certainly made me smile remembering my lovely mum. That is a beautiful thing. And on that uh, rather, uh, you know, sentimental note, which we don't mind hitting every now and then, we're going to take a little break. I'll draw breath and you will enjoy the following messages. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show. Radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession. On the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. And back again. Thank you very much indeed for sticking with us. Uh, I know I've been saying this uh, ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks, but we are soon jumping ship to a a much grander premises where all kinds of business will be under one roof uh, over at Patreon there. It's about uh, two weeks' time, and uh, I'll let you know exactly what you can do. And I hope you can stick with us in the treehouse there because we, we want to do this for a living and hopefully uh, we can do with your help and everything else but uh, this is not one of those begging bowls there's plenty plenty there i even perhaps the other night sat down and because i'm going to there's a musical strand on one of the uh, tiers of it apart from the diary and i listed my 12 favorite punk singles which is some going because okay. i'm not a great i'm not a great fan of the old school anymore but i had a all doing it as none of your you know band histories there's just about what it meant to me so i'm doing that for virtually every genre now oh lovely and amancy has been in the record room here and i just pull out a handful of records and say okay all right so and just whatever they are i'll, I'll tell you what they are and people how about this we're gonna sausage sandwich again returning and uh uh, if you know me on Twitter, you know I do that good evening photo every night. I have to, otherwise people go mad. <laughs> That's why I've got a nose like WC. Or again, Tuesday. start worrying that you're uh, well, lying under the bed or whatever. Yes, exactly. If you don't do it, well, what's the matter with him tonight? Uh, uh, but the, I always put different albums behind me, which is why they're staking out all over the floor because I don't file them again afterwards. But uh, people can now tell me which albums they want behind, and oh. they will give their reasons and, and and plenty more. But that's all in the future. This is a uh, very near future. This is from our friend Scott. Uh, but this this again, this is odd. This is a might need the same music as your tanker full of gold. Friday the thirteenth. Yes, Friday the thirteenth. I went into our front room to find two large black crows parading around my coffee table. I managed to placate my family, saying they'd probably descended down the chimney rather than it being Beelzebub manifesting at them for our torture. I managed to catch them in a tea towel after destroying most of the room, and I pushed them out the window where they fluttered off into the skies. What can it mean? No, I don't see. I don't like crows. I don't know. I mean, there's very few birds. I, I, They're sinister. You know, 
there's they are and, and, and they, they portend things i believe they portend things and uh, they, they once nicked a frog out of our pond in the garden we saw it hanging from its beak as it flew off and that that, that takes some sitting down afterwards what you got there peps this is about um, coincidences and mystery items. This is from our friend Paul, who um, we last spoke to in February when his son bought the hand grenade in France, as you recall. Oh, yes. Mm. Just after I spoke to you, I went to the Canaries for a week. And this is what happened. We arrived at security and I duly put my small hand luggage suitcase on the x-ray machine. On the other side, my case came through the conveyor in its plastic tray and I picked it up, plus my watch and the passport. Only to hear someone say, oi, that's mine. I looked round and a man was glaring at me. I had his suitcase, his watch on my wrist and his passport in my hand. (laughs) We had exactly the same suitcase, the same watch and of course the same looking passport. I returned the items red faced and confused, but this wasn't all. Where were my items? It soon became clear and the security staff beckoned me over. Have you packed this case yourself, sir? Yes, I said. He had one eye on the screen and another on the case. He said, well, I can't find it find what i asked he turned the screen around and right in the middle of the case was a perfectly formed outline of a feather oh he couldn't work out where it was or why he could see it on the x-ray machine i had never seen it before nor packed a feather i explained (laughs) this all to him and my wife looked puzzled we kept on searching and finally the feather was revealed there inside my holiday paperback sitting between the pages was a beautiful copper bookmark shaped as a feather my wife had bought the paperback from a charity shop not knowing what was inside the security man was relieved about the mystery but I think he thought it was something we'd bought to spice things up a bit and we were a bit embarrassed meanwhile the big result it was worth 30 quid (laughs) my wife was really chuffed as she only paid 50p for the book and that's from Paul spice things up a bit with the old copper feather (laughs) A copper really would. I suppose so, in one way. It, uh, the, the, when you uh, buy books from the charity shops, mm. uh, some people bridle at them if they've got annotations in the margins. Mm. You know, and you get especially students, right? You know, yes, very true, or see page 80. Or, I enjoy those. People hate them. Uh, but one book, and I don't know what it was. It was a, a book, um, possibly, probably be about the Second World War, the American Civil War. Just had one annotation... Uh, all the way, th- all the way through it, and it was just written there in Biro at one point, and it just said, "Did he?" That was just, that's all it had, um, and and there was no other annotation in the entire book. But did he? Somebody had written it, and I read the paragraph, and it wasn't particularly spectacular. And I would love to track that person down and say, "Why did you write did he next to this year?" And there's a mystery. So uh, uh, that this was uh, uh, from the other week. Well, that one we've been doing is currently, aren't we? Things in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Uh, and this is from Lisa. Thank you very much, Lisa. And she sent us a photograph with this. I was reminded recently of this in New Zealand's Otago Peninsula. It's not technically a mad thing in the middle of nowhere because there's nothing actually there. And the photograph she's provided shows a classic um, uh, sort of country uh, sign pointing the way to, usually says the next village and the mileage to it, a wooden sign, except this one is pointing into a huge open field and written on the sign is, on this site used to be New Zealand's first cheese factory. And that's it. And, and she's written, what do you mean used to be? 
what do you mean? But, but what is it? What? And she's a sign. It's pointing it to a nothing and saying, on this site used to be New Zealand's first cheese factory. Well, that is certainly something in the middle of nowhere, Lisa. And a tiny little one here before I move on. This is from Steve Hill. It's about um, dares involving celebrities. And it's just a, a one-line email he sent us. I once touched Terry Venables' hair for a dare. He noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Go and touch his hair. <laughs> he doesn't have particularly notable hair. Him touch his, I mean, you could make out you walking to him, brush against him. There, I did it. But you go up with, you know, outstretched index finger and go, ah, <laughs> of course he's going to notice. Uh, well, thank you very much in that, for that, Steve. Something from there, perhaps. Well, this is from Kevin. He says, I have a story that I think falls under unbelievable but true, but also something you would never do again. This sounds ridiculous and I still feel embarrassed today, but I once asked to move rooms in a hotel because I told them I had seen a ghost. Oh. To put some context like to this. Pets. Hotels are notoriously haunted. Well, it's the shining. I mean, of course you'd see ghosts in hotels if anywhere. Go on. To put some context on this, my room was horrible, but instead of saying this, I decided to be British and spare their feelings by telling them that I had seen the ghost of an old man <laughs> and that I needed to move rooms. <laughs> now that alone is stupid, but the best is yet to come. Oh. Would you believe as I stood there, the voice behind me said he could help as he was a registered exorcist. I promise you this is true. Several hours later, I was back in my room with some other keen guests from the hotel and the resident exorcist. I had to sit there while he told us he could see the old man and encourage him into the light. And then he announced he'd crossed over and the room was cleansed, although it was still horrible, and we all shuffled out. To add a wonderful gloss to this idiotic tale, I was staying at the hotel for a works get-together, and there I was on there. Imagine my shame when I was on the front page of the company newsletter next month. Care worker sees ghost in hotel bedroom. <laughs> I left the job four months later, and typing this to you has slightly lightened the shame. Well, thank you, my friend. A tremendous tale. What are the chances of that? You tell a perfectly good story about wanting to change rooms because you've seen a ghost, and they say, oh, that's handy. We've got the exorcist there. Everyone to the lifts. Uh, and when he said, yes, I can see the old man, he must have said, have you checked flies? Oh, no, I, just, I remember my story now. <laughs> well done, my friend. Bravo. Uh, this is from, uh, uh, this is about nicknames you're stuck with. Uh, this, is oh, friend, this is great. This is from our friend Mark. Uh, by the way, Peps, uh, again, sorry to be stalking you on Twitter. Uh, I think they call it following, don't they? Uh, what happened to your fridge freezer? Why is it out in the garden? Because I showed it to Wendy. She said, what's he doing out in the garden? Why is your fridge freezer out in the garden? Because last Wednesday, I went to get a can of pop out of the freezer and thought, ooh, that feels a bit warm. And then touched everything else. Oh, this all feels warm. The day before a heat wave. Oh my goodness. Called a fella to come round and bless him. He he came round at the end of his sort of day's work at sort of half seven at night. And he did that thing of he walked in and I went, I don't know if you'll hear it. I switched it off, I switched it back on, and it keeps doing this click. And he went, uh, don't even need to look at it. You're whatever condensers seized up, it'll cost more to replace it than it would oh, to get a new one, blah, blah, blah. Oh so then immediately I was running around all the neighbours shoving frozen food in their freezers oh. and all of that oh. hoopla. And I was like, well, I'm not having that behemoth sitting in the kitchen doing nothing, uh, overgrown cupboard. 
So we chucked it out, and then then, then it was like, I'm going to stop you there because uh, I, I, I sort of followed the tale and thought, well, they'll freeze, and it's a huge one. By the way, bravo. That is, that is a sizable uh, two-drawer fridge freezer uh, with a, even a big, big, as you say, it's, it's like it's like 2000. American style, as they call it. It is. Yeah. Uh, and yet, um, so, so when did it say, well, why she put it in her garden? And that's the bit I didn't get. Well, why? because because I, we panic bought a second-hand little fridge freezer to tide us over in oh, the right. meantime. No, right. because Because we had a freebie a uh, little little desk fridge that had come from Red Bull. Mm. So I immediately chucked the essentials, cheese okay, gotcha, yeah. and milk in there. All right. I put other things in the wine cooler. We had, mm. we had just food everywhere. So we bought a second-hand one and we thought, well, where's that going to go? It, so it, there was a lot it. of swearing. I was nearly squashed by that say, fridge. It was... Manipulating it was epic. See, I couldn't do that. I, I did the other week. I found um, uh, an old mini disc player of mine. It was quite. It was quite big. It was. It also incorporated a, a little amplifier. It also incorporated a little amplifier. And uh, I just put that and uh, literally on one of the walls in the garden while I was sorting out other stuff. And when the immediate was on that, don't leave that in the garden. Neighbours think they live next door to Steptoe. That oh, was it. One oh, little. All of a sudden, we are truly Steptoe's yard. <laughs> but, oh, not least because my husband, being his father. The sun went. You know what? Both handles could be useful. He's taken the handles off it, so it looks really dreadful. <laughs> well, if you need uh, any kind of uh, aluminium, she's got tons of it just sitting around <laughs> in her yard. This is from our friend Mark, and it's about uh, nicknames you're stuck with. During the late 1980s, you may remember the Zoot Suit made a brief and now largely forgotten comeback. For a Mayfly instant, young chaps about town look like a cross between Cab Calloway and most of Matt Bianco. <laughs> it was perhaps unwise of my pal Julian to wear only the bottom part of the 1930s ensemble. He walked into the village pub one night. Julian sported a remarkable pair of burgundy strides, pleated, commodious, and not altogether easy on the eye. Pints were lowered, darts stopped mid-flight, and a palpable silence befell the bar, until a lone voice declared, Blimey, Julian, they're bad trousers. And thus was born the nickname which he retains to this day, Bad Trousers, or BT, BT for short. He now resides in Canada. I hope he hears this and recalls the genesis of that particular epithet, Mark in North Shields, on behalf of old BT. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with any of those, when you have to recount them to people, why do they call you BT? Oh, well, you see, <laughs> and that's when your mate's nipping to say exactly that. I've mentioned many times my friend George, his real name's Mickey. Why do they call you George? Because I was so bad at football, they used to call me George Best when I was seven, you know? Uh, <laughs> Sebast, Stephen Saunders, his real name. Why do they, your mates all call you Sebast? Because when I was at primary school, my initials were SS, and so everyone said I was Sebastian Sausage, all right? <laughs> so uh, any of those that people have, uh, we would love to hear from you. Something else from you, Peps? Well, this is another Strange Things in the Middle of Nowhere. This is from Richard. Some years ago, I had to visit Romania on a business trip. This was a couple of years after the end of communist dictatorship, and things were still a little wild west, to say the least. I was in a remote town called Sinia in the region neighbouring Transylvania and the various madnesses I will tell you about occurred. In between meetings, I decided to walk into the town and as I got onto the main drag, I noticed a man on the pavement with what looked like a large bear. On closer inspection, that is exactly what it was. Oh. A seven foot bear on a chain. 
Oh. Nobody else was taking any notice, and I assumed this was a regular feature in downtown Sinia. It wasn't such a regular thing for me, and I duly phoned my wife back home with a guess what I've just seen story. Next day, in another break, I decided to walk into town again. Not much else to do in remote Romania, of course. The man and the bear were in their position, but things had escalated. While he kept hold of the bear's lead in one hand, he now had a lion tethered to the other. No, no. A phone call back to the UK again, during which my wife not only asked why I was having so many breaks, but also had I been sampling the local home brew. And there Richard ends it. Oh, no. I mean, see, the thing is, I mean, uh, immediately our thoughts turn to Br'er Lion and Br'er Bear. Uh, 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 but nevertheless, like you say, what was... Well, you couldn't be charging you to look at them because there they were, in plain sight. Uh, uh, speaking about East European friends, uh, one of the most... Uh, uh, never mind your lions and your bears. Long time ago, mm. uh, we was asking um, things, probably like in the middle of nowhere now, or things you've never got to the bottom of. And there was a similar uh, uh, correspondent like that. And then somebody got in touch and said, well, you know, in Albania and Bulgaria, uh, you, people like to get weighed a lot. I don't know if you've ever heard this, Peps. Oh, like, you've said this before. They like to get weighed. weighed. And people stand on the street, sometimes only 20 feet apart, holding scales. Uh, and you give them a few copecks or whatever it is, and, and you can weigh yourself. And I said, not surely as popular, not 20 feet apart on the same street. And people got in touch and said, oh, yeah, there are salons, loads of weighing salons over there. Speak, you wonder what happens to all the speak your weight machines. It used to be around in the 70s and 80s. They're out there in downtown Albania, right next to the normal wisdom season at the fixtures. And everyone thinks nothing more than dropping a coin and hearing, you are six stone five or something. Uh, that would be a child of course but people love to weigh themselves so perhaps the bear could guess your weight that's the only oh, thing yes. your weight? I know we've got to finish the show have you ever uh, we'll start the next show with Kate uh, Kate's wonderful story about what her dad saw in the middle of nowhere but uh, have you ever had anyone guess your weight um, uh, all jokes aside there perhaps uh, no, at, at no I, I think that's fallen out of usage no I, it, not in a, thing, uh, surely. It was until recently in um uh, if you went to universal studios in florida where they do a recreation of the uh, town in jaws for the jaws ride and as you walked through it there was uh, kind of a little side shows as you walked towards it and one of them was a fellow in a traditional candy striped red and white striped shirt with a megaphone saying step right up folks i will guess your weight and age which i you know Go on, when did I go? No, thanks. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but so uh, I, I thought, well, I'm going to have to have a go at this. Uh, and I never weigh myself. I've never, I don't see the point oh. in weighing yourself. You are what you look like and that's that. So I've never, don't, I do not understand weighing yourself. It doesn't make you all of a sudden, you know, you know if, you're, if you've got a few pounds on, you're putting on some timber. Anyway, uh, uh, I went across to him and I and I did it. And I think he said like, I don't know what he said, something like uh, 13 stone two or something. And I didn't know what I was. Uh, but the uh, and I don't know if she was a, a, a rube or, or you know a, 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 they put it when they put your plant in the crowd. I don't know if she was a plant, but she a woman behind me said, "Do me." He said, "By the way, he got my age exactly right." Oh. And he, 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 what he does, he, he does you know fills the upper arms and all of this. And he said to her, "You are uh, you know twelve stone six and you are thirty three years old." Absolutely right. Now, how did he do that? How did he do that? I mean, I don't know if he got my weight right, but I know he got my age. And everyone who came up, nobody said, you're out. He was allowed no. a couple of pounds either way, it said on his sign. But he could do that. 
Now, isn't that something? It's uh, a forgotten uh, skill. It's a tremendous skill. It's like memory man. The people used to come on and, and have a good memory. Uh, anyway, uh, apologies if today's show seemed rushed. Peps did all the heavy lifting. Play the theme tune there, uh, Phil. One, two, three, four. Three Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the treehouse. The fire's on, it's warm inside. We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away. In the treehouse. Take it away, Danny! Yes, thank you uh, indeed to uh, the saviour of the show, Louise Napoleon Pepper, over there on the other side of uh, town. So you can follow the uh, feed of the show or either of our Twitter feeds to see the subject. And uh, anytime you want to get in touch with any of the old subjects, please do. Because uh, once we make this jump to hyperspace, which is coming up, if we ever got any emails to read, if you don't join us there, then, uh, then then this little good deed in a wicked world may expire. So putting away the violin, I want to thank you, of course, Louise again, Phil Wilding, who's cobbled together the show from my breathless state. But as always, as you can tell, chiefly yourselves. We'll see you at the weekend. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.